On today's episode, we're talking about mental health, mental toughness, and why journaling can be the key to improved performance. My name's Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Every Day Podcast, a show designed to help driven people build a winning mindset so they can build their winning life. Welcome to the show. What's up, Competitor Nation? Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and excited today as we've got a repeat guest my dear friend Priscilla Tallman joins us, and she has been not only on the Compete Every Day podcast before, but a guest on the Raising Competitors podcast, and she is doing some amazing work around championship journaling, a 30-day reset journal, how do you return to play, and why journaling and improved performance is not just for athletes. So we're going to dive into all of that on today's brand new episode. As we get into the show, I want to encourage you to join the Morning Motivation Club. All you got to do is text the word podcast to 972-945-9113. That's 972-945-9113. You'll be opted into the Morning Motivation Club. Start your day with a fresh text, challenge question, and sometimes a video as well to help you get up and after the day. So I hope I'll see you in there. All you got to do, text podcast to 972-945-9113, and we'll see you in the group. Now, let's welcome to the show assistant beach volleyball coach at Arizona Christian University, Priscilla Tallman. Priscilla, welcome back to the Compete Everyday podcast. This is what, second, third time we've jammed. Yeah, I think uh, raising competitors and Compete Everyday is our third rodeo here. Yeah, third rodeo. So this is is a... uh, a repeat for us, but we've we've had a lot of new listeners since uh, the Raising Competitors days, and and even since your last appearance on this show. Uh, so, as we dive in today, give everybody a snapshot, a little bit about you, um, and then you and I were having an interesting conversation off air around mental toughness that I want us to get into. Yeah, so uh, Priscilla Tallman, and currently I am a, a beach volleyball coach. Been coaching volleyball again. uh, It's been about seven years since I came back to coaching, but also putting together a curriculum and uh, resources for coaches and businesses and athletes uh, uh, surrounding mental wellness, uh, mental toughness and mental health. And that's kind of where I've been hanging out these last few years since we talked the first time. Yeah, so uh, let's let's kind of dive into to that in terms of mental wellness. And I would say it's probably gotten a lot more mainstream talk the last couple of years. It's not at the level it should be, but I think, uh, and there's a few things I'm going to pull out that we may dive into some controversies about. So I'm, I'm always interested in your opinion, but as you're defining mental well- wellness, how do you define it? And then talk about its relationship as you were alluding to offline of, with mental toughness. Yeah, so I uh, got my master's degree in clinical psychology. So my background really is in the clinical side of psychology. Whereas in the coaching world, uh, a lot of times even businesses will go with the sports psychology route because there's a lot of performance-based behavioral things we can do to change and better performance. Um, Like yourself, a keynote speaker, that's something that requires uh, mental skills to be able to perform. 
And so the mental wellness side really comes from my passion for the clinical psychology side. Uh, and as I was studying and, and because I uh, was an athlete as well, I played uh, sports in college. I played at the University of Georgia. I played professionally and I've coached in uh, the Pac-12, so a Power Five conference, and uh, have noticed that mental wellness really is on the same team as mental toughness. And I think in the wellness space, we tend to think it's this soft, fluffy kind of like, you know, um, take care of yourself, have self-care, go get a massage, go do yoga, go walk in the you know forest, which all of those things are wonderful. But the same things can be said for mental toughness. All of those things also can create mental toughness because if you've ever been on a hike that's difficult, that's gonna create mental toughness, but it's also gonna create mental wellness. So that's kind of how I've always seen them. I've seen them being on the same team. I've seen them being the same skills. And I always get a little frustrated when I see them split up and particularly in sports, but I think even in business that can happen as well. Yeah, and, and actually there, there's part of that that I'm always intrigued by. And it's, I would say the balance. The balance of not mental wellness, but uh, having a healthy mindset taking care of your mental well-being from a health perspective, while at the same time forcing and, and choosing to struggle. And a lot of the conversation we've seen in athletics has really been in, in twofold around the mindset in the last year. There's been the mental health and the depression side with a lot of college athletes having unfortunately taken their lives, the pressures, the perfection. There's a lot of that well-being that goes on. And on the flip side, there's a lot of athletes some accurate, some inaccurate, who are shying away from adversity and opportunities where they're challenged, they struggle. And there's a lot of conversations around mental health in that regard as well. And so there's these two camps. There's the, the very, very serious, unfortunate side. Then there's another side that's serious as well, but I think is being used by some groups as a default. And so I'm curious from your perspective, how conversations get started of dealing with the incredibly serious suicide prevention piece, while at the same time teaching from a mental health perspective, growth and success doesn't always have to feel good, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I think so. What you're hitting on is the fact that life really is difficult. And we have a really hard time in a lot of cultural things in America, particularly with understanding how hard it is. You know this as a, a business owner that it doesn't happen tomorrow. It takes a really long time for us to establish healthy habits. It takes a long time for us to hear the word no a hundred times before we finally get that one yes. And then once we get the yes, even that isn't the whole winning part, right? We got to yeah. stack a bunch of yeses together. And so when we go through this, business or sports or life, you know, teenager, teenage years, if we don't have a really firm grasp that life is difficult and that struggle comes along with it, we're going to have a hard time with mental wellness. And we're going to find ways and what we call them in clinical psychology is coping strategies, coping behaviors. And we're going to find ways to cope that really aren't going to make us tougher. They're going to uh, eventually fall out of the bottom. So, you know, coping such as, uh, you know, drinking or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some really unhealthy ones, but they're not always that bad. They're not always yeah. drugs and alcohol, 
Sometimes it's just staying up too late watching Netflix or it's, you know, being addicted to our phone or technology or social media. I mean, there's plenty of unhealthy coping. And I think that's what we do because we don't want to acknowledge how hard things are. Yep. Yeah. And so then it becomes the question. So there's two, two pieces to that. One, as a practitioner yourself, how do we not only just admit, it's one thing to say life is difficult, it's another thing to embrace the difficulty and struggle. How do you as a practitioner do that just in your own life of continually reminding yourself of that growth piece? And then at the same token, how are you working with maybe the athletes or even their parents to a degree of facilitating and teaching that? Because we have a lot of parents I know that listen to the show and a lot of the things I hear after keynotes are, you know, how do I teach my kids some of that? Yeah. So what's interesting is good week for this question, because I had two very big opportunities this week and both of them went horribly wrong. And so um, I came, I went into this week, very excited about these two opportunities. And I, I really, as of yesterday, was just so discouraged as to, wow, like this is going to still take so much more work. So I think um, for me personally, I continue to show up. I show up every day. I know things are hard. I feel sad. I get discouraged. I get bummed out. I have a pity party. I do all of the things everybody else does because, you know, I know eventually I'm going to, to come out of that and I'm going to keep trying. Um, when it comes to uh, parents and sports uh, and coaching and all, even in business, we really have to create an environment for these kids to learn or business people. Like my husband's in, in high tech. He's been in high tech for the last uh, almost 20 years. And I listen to his conversations as well. And I'm like, well, you know, you got to put your, um, you know, your employees in positions to where they have to fail. They, you can't keep, you know, saving them every day on these calls. Make sure that you're allowing them to fail. And I think allowing them to be in those positions, whether we create a practice plan for, you know, a 12 and under team or a, a, a high school team, if I create a practice for them to actively struggle. And then we finish the practice saying, Hey, that wasn't perfect, but we did it and we got through it and we learned that's, that's that whole object of learning, but the struggle and the learning creates the mental wellness. And at the same time, it's creating mental toughness because it's giving you resilience and grit and and those things that aren't going to come if we just skate through life with, you know, people buying our groceries every week, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you you make such a, a great point about the the after process and the evaluation and the reinforcement because if if you just do it, if you just go through a tough practice and it sucked, and you don't actually dissect it afterwards, they may not be aware of one. Hey, you did something that was difficult and messy and imperfect. Two, this is how we build our confidence. If we can handle this, we can handle more easier situations. Or on the flip side, when things get tougher, we're more equipped to be able to manage those as well. And so I think that's a important piece of it too, of, of whether it's in a corporate office or whether it's with coaching our athletes, it's talking about kind of that lesson piece after the experience. Would you agree? I would. And one of the big things and one of the tools, and I'm sure a lot of leaders use this tool, but um, I call it a training takeaway. And it's exactly that is at the end of our training session. Um, I'm actually having my husband do this with his, uh, his work as well. He's like, Hey, what should I try? Right. Um, it's a training takeaway. And we, we really go and look at the performance of the week. What did I do? Well, 
this week? What did I learn this week? And then the biggie, the big question, I actually learned this from my, uh, I, I watched a coach um, run a practice at Georgia. And the question was, what stopped my learning? And that's a good question to say, man, what's, what really stood in my way this week? Was it, I was distracted? Was it that I had a, a beef with my coach or my boss or my wife? Was I carrying some emotional stress? Like what stopped me from actually learning in this, you know, let's say a practice or training session, two hour training session. What was that? Why didn't I grow today? And I think if we can look at the end of a practice, end of a business day, end of a business week, end of our quarter, and we can really say what, what, what was accomplished here? What was learned? What, 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 what didn't work, you know, and, and what stopped our learning? What, what was in the way? Yeah, and I think that's and, and the key on that as well is asking the questions because then it's not, hey, I'm telling you what you learned. I'm asking you and forcing you to go through that learning process yourself by finding and creating the answers. I actually talked with that with one of my executive coaching clients of a lot of times we want to jump and tell the team, hey, here's what I saw. Here's where you messed up, things like that. When in reality, the growth opportunity is to ask them questions. Hey, what do you see here? Where could we have missed something here? Did we miss something here? Then you're putting it on them to rack their brains, to learn, to evaluate, maybe look at it from a different perspective that's so incredibly key. Um, one of the things I know you're incredibly big on is performance journaling and getting thoughts and ideas and process down on paper. Talk to me about why one, that pen to paper is so incredibly important for us from a self-awareness and growth standpoint. And then two, why it's not as complicated as we tend to make it when we think about having to start quote journaling. Yes. Well, uh, to answer the first question, I, I absolutely love it. It's uh, I've always been a writer anyway, pen to paper. I love it. I thumbs to screen is cool, but nothing is replaces that pen to paper. And a lot of it is just some of the research or why I've continued to do it because the research that's out there, that shows that this is really an effective strategy for reducing anxiety, lowering cortisol, increasing things like dopamine for, you know, for writing about gratitude. There's a lot of research out there. One of my favorite researchers on this is James Pennebaker. Um, he's at the University of Texas and he just has done a ton of research on all different kinds of populations, but it really shows that uh, writing does help that immune functioning. It lowers cortisol. But there's a really cool thing too, is it actually primes our brain for learning. And that's what I like the most about it. When we come to performance, so many times we just sit down at our desk and we start working without saying, is my brain even online, right? We're just like, I'm going to work now. But the brain's like, no, I have five minutes. I need to get ready. Um, and so that's what I love also as well for athletes beginning a practice. Let's, let's put pen to paper. Let's get those grooves in our brain going. Let's get that, that brain primed to learn because my athletes, my business people, my team will learn better when their brains are actually primed for the learning that's about to happen. And so that's, that's one of the big powerful tools I like about it. Uh, the second piece is it is a cognitive behavioral tool. The, the journal that I've, the two journals I've written are really based in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, uh, you know, it, there's these thought say Break records. that down for those of us that are yes. common. <laughs> So cognitive behavioral therapy really is uh, behavioral change through thoughts, uh, changing our thoughts so we can change our behavior. It's like if we can change our self-talk, right? Yep. Those thoughts that pop into our mind fast. If something happens, if, a, if a, a keynote goes all wrong, the first thought might be, oh my, oh man, this is, this yep. is going a certain way, right? So learning how to take that thought, 
change it so that our behavior actually changes. And that so, makes us, I would say as well, correct me if I'm wrong, that also makes us more responsive versus reactive. 100%. Yeah. Because cognitive behavioral really is cognitive, which is our thought, behavioral, our behavior. It's changing our behavior. So we aren't going to, our behavior, we will react to things that we aren't aware of until we actually know, oh, this keynote's going poorly. I've been here before. Or, wow, this match is really bad. Like, wow, we're doing terrible. Instead of thinking that, like, okay, what can we get under control? So yeah. that's, that's why I like the journaling is it's, it's, it's very rooted in clinical psychology, but it's also a powerhouse when it comes to um, healthy uh, coping, like we talked about before, that healthy coping is changing us from like, okay, I'm stressed out. I'm going to go have a drink to I'm stressed out. I don't know why I'm going to write down and figure out what that's coming, where that's coming from. Yeah. And I would say along the same lines and, and what you just pointed is a great point. It's not just for athletes, but any one of us kind of priming and preparing ourselves for the very specific work we need to do, not just, Hey, I need to go to practice or, Hey, I need to prepare for a game. Yeah. And you, you asked, uh, you said, why is it so difficult sometimes? Why do we make it this yeah. big monumental task of, you know, journaling? And I think when we look at a blank page, it, it freaks us out. It reminds us of, oh, yeah. you know, the test or, oh, hey, open your notebooks. We have an essay. And so people don't necessarily love it yep. uh, because we've never been conditioned to love an, a blank page. And so I know that about my athletes. And so that's why the journals are, are prompts in a certain way. The journal moves us through into it has a purpose. There's not just blank, blank page after blank page. And so I think when we can actually sit down and we have some direction to what we want to write, and again, that training takeaway is really easy to do, um, then we're able to kind of accomplish that priming of brain versus looking at the page and, and freaking out about what, what needs to go there. Would you say also the journaling is incredibly helpful for us in separating identity from outcome and putting more emphasis on the process piece? Yes. I, I think you are forced to think through the questions. Again, if you have a blank page, it's different. But if you have the journal with some prompts in it, um, it forces you to think of the journey versus yeah. that destination. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's always, I think, the most important one. I think in sports, we get caught up in it. Where am I ranked? What's my score? Who won? And as adults, we get caught up in it from where am I in the sales chart? Did I get that promotion versus getting our eyes off of some of the things that we don't control back onto what we do and how are we continuing to build and grow them on a daily basis, which is for that. For me, the, the writing is really funny. I actually didn't even put two and two together until I just looked down, but like I have this little notepad that I journaled in as well as just wrote ideas from, and they go back to like 2013. And it was funny flipping through it just the other day of like, oh, that's what I was thinking then, or this is where I was focused. And I can see how some of that plays off now or creates really cool growth opportunities in life to be able to reflect back as well on some of those old thoughts and writings, because we tend to forget how much we've grown when we're going through the process until we have a chance to look back and start to connect certain dots or see where we were and be reminded of what we were going through in that moment. So I think that's another key piece from just a self-awareness growth of why, why we should write things down. Yeah. My, it's funny. Our, uh, this last year with our team, I have training takeaways and we put them on three by five cards and I put them all in folders. So every athlete had their own folder with all of the mindset work that we did in there. And, and at the midpoint of the season, 
um, I gave them their folder. Has anything changed? You know, and they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was thinking that. And the freshmen were like, that was me when I first came in. I can't believe I was thinking those things. I've grown so much. And it was actually really cool because then we got to go into our season or spring sport. We got to go into our season with them looking at all the growth they had already done, not questioning if they had grown or how they had grown. They actually could see this tangible little tool, like you're saying, your journal. And they went into the spring season with, with this confidence of, look at what I've already done. What else is possible? And I think that's also pretty cool. That's absolutely awesome. I love it. I love it. Priscilla, so for anybody listening today, maybe for themselves, maybe even for their athletes uh, at home, they want to find out more about your journals. I know you've got a couple of options. Where can they get connected not only with your work to learn more, um, but also pick up a copy of one of your journals? So the journals are on Amazon. Uh, The 30-Day Champions Journal just got revised. So it was under another name. It's now called the 30-Day Champions Journal. That is available uh, for pre-order. I think they'll ship August 26th. And then they're also available in ebook. And then uh, there's another title. It's called the 30-Day Return to Play. So that's for athletes who have been injured and they're returning to play. It's really cool. Just takes them through these prompts of like, you know, um, keeping them connected to their sport while they're injured. And then my website is www.spikedoctor.com. And Instagram is pretty much the only social I'm on anymore. It's at Spike Doctor, S-P-I-K-E-D-R, the number three. And that's on Instagram. And I love, love, love when parents get involved in this process with their athlete. It's incredible how much they, the whole family can grow with that. So, yeah. Actually, there's a, I have a question for you on that as we wrap up. For the parent listening, who maybe their youth athlete is like, mom, dad, I don't want to do it. How do you encourage the parents to encourage maybe one of these resources without feeling like they're overstepping or they're forcing something on their athlete? For the most part, every time I've gotten a parent who's working and who kind of works with me and the athlete, which I love, again, I, I, I know I respect when the athletes I'm working with the athlete, but when a parent is involved, um, they're usually already, they know that they need some resources. Something is not working. Uh, so typically I don't get the ones who are resistant. The kids are usually like, let's go. I'm in. Yes, let's do it. So that's been, I think, pretty amazing. I've, I've had very few resistant people, athletes at this point. (laughs) Love it. No, that's, Hey, that's fantastic. Uh, for parents listening, be sure to check those out. Uh, We've got them on Amazon. We'll be linking to them as well in the show notes. So you will have access to them right there. Priscilla, thank you incredibly for coming back again and just being a repeat guest. I think you're the the first third timer here on the show. Uh, so appreciate you investing that time and hanging out with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm going to, I am going to say thank you to you publicly because in that very first time I was on your show, I had decided I wasn't going to be a writer anymore. And I was like, kind of making excuses and being super lame. And you're like, Hey, I want to encourage you. Cause you know, you are the chief encouragement officer <laughs> and you wanted to encourage me to keep writing. And I did. And look at this third show in, and I'm just, I am super grateful. I know that people like us in the work that we don't do that. We don't get a lot of thank yous. And so I wanted to make sure and 
say that because you've been a huge influence uh, for me to continue. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad you started writing. I'm glad you got mm -hmm. out of those excuses because I know a ton of athletes have benefited from that. I'm so appreciative of your friendship. And then I guess we'll have to start talking about number four here in the next year or so. Serious. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.